This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. A couple of weeks ago, we were at the Hancock County Fair in the old Millstream building, which is actually a new building. I don't know why they call it the old Millstream building. But we were there. It was air-conditioned all day for us. We were running Nerf Wars, and so we invited all of the kids that were at the fair to come and play Nerf battles for free. Uh, they did capture the flag. They shot each other with Nerf darts. They had a wonderful time. It's a great opportunity for us to get to know uh, families in our community. If you didn't get a chance to experience that, I want to invite you to come next year to the fair. Come by on Saturday into the building. We're there running, running the games. And if you don't want to you know, join us in running the games, you can sit, talk to parents while their kids play. It's a great way for us to get to know people in our community. I was amazed to see how much energy those young people had playing Nerf. And many of them were wearing their boots from where they were showing animals and caring for their animals, running on concrete, sliding, diving behind these bunkers. We have bunkers that we play with. They're big inflatable shapes, pyramids, rectangles, cylinders. Uh, just really cool. It's, it's like this rubberized canvas like you would make a raft out of. You blow them up. And they create these bunkers that are protection. And the, the kids run behind them and hide. They you know, lean out and shoot at each other and hide behind the, these, these big shapes that, that become the, the, the protection for them. And the, and the darts that, that are being shot at them when they, when they hide, they bounce off the, the bunkers instead of hitting them. It's a... An interesting, an interesting connection. They're, they're made for paintball. I don't know if any of you have ever played paintball. Any, any paintballers here? I have, I have done paintball many times. Usually it's with youth group. Uh, occasionally I've, I've played paintball with people my own age. But um, when, when I first got here, I was the youth minister. We took the youth group to Bull Creek Paintball. A great place to play. They have multiple fields. One of the arenas they have for playing has a wooden structure like a maze of walls that makes a fort. And they play a game where one team is inside the fort, the other team's outside the fort. And, and so the one team is defending and the other is attacking. And you see, you're trying to eliminate the other team. It's a lot of fun. Inside the fort, though, they have a second story tower that we weren't allowed to go up in and use during the game. But we had a mom with us in the youth group who was a youth sponsor. She came along to kind of supervise, help drive. And she wanted to take pictures. So the... The worker at Bull Creek gave her a paintball mask and a plastic riot shield so that she could come out and take pictures on the course while we were playing. This is a, a brave lady. And, and he said, why don't you go up in that tower, that second story tower, that way you'll be out of the, out of the, the, the line of fire of the paintballs. You can get a picture of all the things going on from above. It'll be a unique thing. You can take this gear up there with you. And, uh, and so she did. She climbed up there, and she had this big plastic shield. It was, it was see-through, so she could see what was going on, pop out and take some pictures and get back behind the shield. And you would think up there she would be safe. But she has two sons that were teenagers at the time. And you know when mom's on the course, some of those shots are going up in the tower. Some of them, just to scare her, they would hit the wood around her and watch her jump and run around. It was hilarious. But she was clean. There was no paint on her at all, but the shield she was carrying was covered because all those shots that were intended for her hit that shield and splattered. She might have had a little bit of droplets just from the spray, but it, it was just a really, a really cool thing to, to see 
And she was excited about being a part of it. It was, it was a lot of fun. That's, that's the image I want for us to carry forward uh, as we talk about the shield of faith today in, in our set of armor from God. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6 and specifically about this protection that we carry with us, that we take up, that we carry along, that enables us to, to stand our ground. So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, you can read along with me. The words will be on the screen. If you'd like to use the YouVersion app, you can open up the Bible app, search under events for Parkview Finley, and find scripture and sermon notes there as well. Let's begin reading together. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray. In the spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now this passage is, is the, the section of scripture that we're carrying through with us in each of our sermons in this series. A reminder to you to be memorizing these 10 verses as we're working together. Our focus today is verse 16. In addition to all of this, in addition to what you're already wearing, the armor that, that you have, the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. So yes, you're wearing that stuff. Also, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Notice that the first three pieces of armor are, are armor that you wear. The shield begins this description of pieces that you pick up and take with you. And it's important for each of us as we think about our calling to stand our ground being strong in the Lord and his mighty power, recognizing the spiritual battle that's taking place all around us, that we are well-equipped to stand our ground, that we are willing to take up the shield of faith, to have it with us, to carry it with us, to be ready and prepared for whatever may come. Back in history, when battle lines were drawn and an army would line up for war, the soldiers would come out of the camp already dressed in their armor, and they would go by an armorer who would supply them with shield and sword, and they would receive from the armorer those pieces of equipment that they would need. They would take them up and carry them with them to prepare for battle, to take their stance on the battle lines, to stand their ground. This is the imagery that Paul provides to us, that we would take up our shield of faith, keep it ready at all times, that even when we're at rest, even when we feel like we can let our guard down, that we don't leave those things behind, that we don't walk away and create difficulty, but that we would keep them with us, 
prepared and ready at all times. Now, in, in, the, in those days, there were two particular kinds of shields, different shapes according to these two specific kinds. One kind of shield was small. It was meant for cavalry. Other soldiers would, would use them as well. But, but this shield wouldn't necessarily cover all of your person. And so the warrior would have to be skilled, would have to be aware, would have to have great reflexes when they would see an attack coming. They'd have to anticipate. They'd have to be observant. If a, an arrow was fired from afar, they'd have to watch the flight of that arrow and intercept the, the arrow so that it wouldn't strike them personally. It would hit the shield. And so they would have to, uh, with great dexterity and flexibility, have the shield meet whatever attack was coming. If it's a sword, if it's a spear, if it's an arrow, they are responsible for moving the shield to intercept that attack. The second kind of shield which the original language in our text here indicates is the second kind, uh, is a larger shield with a wooden frame reinforced with metal and very often would have heavy leather or, or sturdy cloth draped over it and that would be soaked in water to keep the shield from burning in case there was some kind of attack that included fire. Now this large shield is a lot like carrying a door into battle. It's just a massive framework that would shield and protect all of your person, like a, carrying the wall of a bunker along with you, and like recognizing how secure and how safe you would be behind this standard that is guarding you, that you can hide behind it and know that there aren't any vulnerabilities, that you're not exposed to attack when you're shielded by this very large kind of shield. We look through scripture and we, we see examples of God as our shield. And we look into the book of Psalms and we read a lot about uh, this, this imagery. David, as he wrote, and, and was enmeshed in a lot of battle, uh, used this kind of language as imagery, talking about his relationship with the Lord, about the way he trusted God and the way that he could depend on God to guard him and protect him. Psalm 28, uh, we have this example from the book of Psalms about this kind of language that's used <clears throat> in reference to God and uh, the, the trust that's, that's present in that relationship. Here's what Psalm 28, beginning verse 6 says. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. We, we recognize the, the significance of God as our shield, the this, this safe place, a place where we, we feel secure, we feel protected, our shield, our refuge, our strength covers us, who looks out for us, who's watching, is vigilant, is strong and powerful, is perfect. And we're glad to have this image of God as our shield. We move to the New Testament and we, we then see this, this uh, idea of faith layered in, that God is our shield and it's our faith in God that helps to protect us, that, that enables us to be shielded by God as we trust in him. First Peter chapter one talks about this relationship between our faith and the protection of God. Beginning in verse three, Peter says this, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. 
These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, Peter was writing to a group of believers who, who were facing significant trials and difficulty, who were being persecuted and threatened daily. He was encouraging them to live faithful lives, to live out their faith in God, to, to live in the confidence of knowing that God was with them and watching over them and got, uh, guarding them and protecting them. He was pointing them with encouragement to the joy that they could have knowing that their relationship with the Lord was something that would carry them on into eternity. And that even though they were facing trials and difficulty, they didn't need to be so overwhelmed and consumed by the trials because God was doing something greater in their lives on their behalf. And he wanted them to point their perspective beyond the difficulty that they were facing. And we're reminded of, of the significance of our faith that yields in us a confidence to endure difficulty, trials, the attacks of Satan, the schemes that he, he throws at us, that in God, through Christ, our faith in him, we have this protection that comes, that we take up and carry with us, that, that remains with us as we take up our shield of faith. It's something that we have to choose to bear this faith that we carry with us everywhere we go and everything that we do. And we think back to the, the imagery of what it is for, for a warrior to go into battle and be handed a shield that they would then have to personally accept to receive and to take it up and to carry it with them. And we think about the, the beginning of our faith. And many of us can think back to the, the moment when we recognized our need for Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and accepted him and were baptized in his name. Some of us look back and try and remember those days and everything's just kind of fuzzy. But most of us can remember very clearly that, that incredible moment in our lives when, when we came to this recognition and we're drawn into a relationship with the Lord and we experience this incredible gift through faith in him. Maybe that, that point you came to because you opened your Bible and read for yourself and you, you read about God's love, you read about forgiveness and grace, you read about the sacrifice of Jesus and you came to this moment where you knew that you needed to accept him as Lord and Savior, that you needed to make that decision for yourself. Maybe you have a parent who has been diligently faithful, who has brought you to church every opportunity they possibly could, who has been reading scripture to you from a very young age, who, who allowed you to see their example of reading their own Bible so that you would see the value of the relationship with the Lord that they had and, and that example would carry over into your life. Maybe that parent is the one who encouraged you to think about your need for Jesus and, and helped you come to that point of decision. Maybe for you it was a grandparent, a very faithful, loving, caring grandparent who who was the one who brought you to church with them, who continued to encourage you and point you to the Lord and talk about his love, maybe more than you wanted to hear at the moment, but you, you look back and you see the value of that. Maybe you had a friend who cared about you enough to say, hold, hold on, 
You need to stop what you're doing. And I want to talk to you about, about the need that you have that you don't even know that, that you have. In, in each of our lives, we come to this, this realization of the moment when we had to make a decision for ourselves to take up faith to establish this relationship with the Lord by, by accepting it, by picking it up and taking it with us and carrying it with us wherever we go. Not something that we can leave behind for a moment or for a day. Decide that, oh, I think today I'm gonna go do some things for myself. I'm gonna leave my faith behind. I'll come back to it tomorrow, but it has no place where I'm going. No, faith is something that always goes with us, that, that guides us as it guards us, that leads us as it protects us, that is an overarching element of our lives that we should never set aside, never cast off, but keep it with us always. This faith that we've made a decision personally to take up, to accept, to, to make a part of their lives, no one can make that decision for us. And no child can rest in the faith of their parents. No, no person can expect that because my parents were faithful believers, when I when my time comes and I find myself standing before the Lord, that I can trust that because my parents were so faithful that he will overlook some things in my life or because our our grandparents were devout Christians that when we come to that day of judgment that their faith will cover us. No, our relationship with, with Jesus Christ is a personal decision that each and every one of us has to make for ourselves to surrender our lives, to surrender to his lordship, to accept him as Lord and Savior and receive forgiveness and grace because of his love. Faith is a personal decision that has to be intentionally taken up and carried with us. And we each must take up that shield of faith and recognize the value of of the protection of God in our lives. Faith that shields us from the attacks of the enemy. Now, I'm thinking about my ability to use a shield to guard myself from those attacks. And I think about that little shield that has to be moved in to intercept every one of those arrows, swords, or spears. I think about facing the fiery arrows of Satan. And when I think about myself wielding a shield, I know that I'm not strong enough to withstand those attacks. I'm not fast enough. My reflexes aren't sharp enough. I can't anticipate what's happening well enough to defend from every attack that's coming. But here's the confidence we have in God that he is strong enough. And we take up our shield of faith, we're strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We recognize uh, that we can be protected from any of those attacks, not because we have enough faith to be shielded from them, but because of the one that we have faith in, because God is strong enough, because our eternal God who never changes is powerful enough to shield us, to protect us, to guard each and every one of us from anything that Satan has to throw away, from any challenge that he aims at our lives, from any trial or difficulty that comes our way, the Lord will work for our good and guard us and protect us when we're devoted to him and when he is our focus and our faith remains in him. We take up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Not some of the flaming arrows of the evil one, and that's what I think of using one of those shields. Like, maybe I'll catch a few, but something's gonna get by if I'm responsible for guarding myself with the shield. But no, our faith, the shield of faith is, is this barrier of faith. Behind it, we can 
hide and know that we're completely protected from any attack that's coming our way. And rest assured, those attacks are coming. Satan will fire his arrows from afar, sniping at the weakest points of your life. What kind of attack does Satan have? What kind of arrows is he going to fire at your life? Well, sometimes those fiery arrows are arrows of fear. And Satan is loosing those fiery arrows, aiming them, trying to scare you from holding your ground, trying to get you to retreat, overwhelmed by your fear trying to get you to, to step back from the stance that you're taking for the Lord, step away from your moral boundaries, step away from the position that you're holding in the midst of the culture around you. Satan's trying to, to scare you into moving away from where God has called you to stand. Why? Because maybe people won't accept the things that you have to say. Maybe you'll be cast out of some friendships. Maybe people will no longer associate with you. Maybe you'll face significant difficulty because of your faith in the Lord. Maybe Satan's gonna play on your fears about eternity. Maybe Satan's gonna play on your fears about your children or your parents or your loved ones. He's going to be working to overwhelm you with your fears so that you will retreat away from the battle. Some of those fiery arrows are arrows of doubt. Satan brings up questions that you've had that you've never answered. He highlights the difficult passages of scripture that you haven't quite reconciled with your worldview. And those fiery arrows are meant to drive you away from the Lord as you focus on those doubts and questions. I grew up in the church in a time where questions weren't tolerated about God. Doubts that I had, things that I didn't quite understand about Scripture that, I, that were real questions. I felt like any question that, that sounded critical of God, any question that, that, that undermined his power, or his goodness was stifled. And, and many people who have grown up in the church have, have been living with questions and doubts for years that have been pushed off to the back burner. Things that, that are, are present in our lives that we've never fully quite resolved because we weren't allowed to ask those questions in our formative years that we now have to deal with. And those fiery arrows of Satan bring up those questions from the past. They bring up those doubts that, that have been simmering below the surface. And the attack of Satan is meant to drive us away from the Lord as we search for answers to those doubts and questions. You see how damaging that is to us? A few weeks ago when we talked about the belt of truth, we talked about all those places we turn to to find answers when we're not entirely sure about the truth. We, we begin searching online. We, we ask a group of friends. We find someone who, who has some spiritual insight, even if they don't necessarily believe in the Lord. We find someone who, who is a leader, who has some wisdom and maturity, and we ask questions in all the wrong places. And what we find is that those answers drive us farther away from the Lord. When we have questions and doubts, we need to understand that God is big enough. God is strong enough to handle the questions that we have for him. God is big enough and strong enough and wise enough and perfect enough to handle the doubts we have about him. And the way that we find answers to those questions, the way we resolve the doubts that we have is by bringing them to the Lord, by stepping toward God with those things and surrendering them to him. 
and through prayer and the study of his word, we allow God to begin answering the questions that we have. We begin God to, we allow God to, to prove himself in our lives. And that's, that's exactly what he will do. He will answer the questions that we have, reassuring us according to the truth of his word and resolving those questions and doubts in his perfect power, helping us bring our perspective into alignment with him, helping us to resolve those, those things that have been simmering under the surface so that we can walk more closely with him. He'll begin that process of, 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 of answering and resolving as he's drawing us into him. And instead of turning away from him and looking in other places, we will grow in our relationship with him, we'll grow in our faith, we'll grow in our connection with him as we continue to bring those things to him, as we continue walking toward him with those questions and doubts, our relationship grows and is enhanced as we discover more about his wisdom and his power and his perfection. And we see how our faith is increasing and how we come to a place where our stance is more secure as we grow strong in his mighty power. That's the way God intends for us to walk our lives of faith in him, that we would focus our attention on him, that we would trust him, submit our hearts to him, and allow him to shield us and guide us and guard us and protect us. Now, sometimes Satan fires those, those fiery arrows of doubt and there are doubts about God, but there are other times when his fiery arrows are doubts, self-doubts. And he aims those arrows right at our hearts. And instead of focusing on God and his strength and his perfection, we focus on our own inadequacy. We focus on our own failures. We focus on all of the ways that we know we aren't worthy of God. And Satan consumes us with those thoughts, drawing our attention away from God and causing us to focus inwardly on our own failures. There are other fiery arrows that Satan fires that are temptation. And he knows the weak points in our armor. He knows those places where we are most susceptible to attack. And that's exactly where he aims those arrows. Consuming us with temptation, consuming us with the desire to sin so that we'll move away from, we'll turn our attention away from, we'll be too shameful, guilty, and embarrassed to be near the Lord. That's Satan's desire, is to twist the truth and turn us away from the Lord, to scheme, connive, and manipulate us into turning our backs on God. God is calling us to be strong in his mighty power, to, to plant our feet and stand firm, to equip ourselves with every piece of armor that he has for us to use so that we can stand our ground, so that we can continue to stand, so that we can live our lives faithfully devoted to him and be an example in the world around us. He provides for us the shield of faith that will extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's what the shield does. It takes the brunt of that attack. Those fiery arrows that are meant to strike our hearts, they hit the shield instead. It covers all of the vulnerable places in our armor, all of the weakest spots that an arrow might penetrate through the metal, all of the gaps in the, in the joints of the armor where an arrow might find its way in. That shield is a second layer of defense over top of the armor we're already wearing. We've got the breastplate of righteousness. We've got the belt of truth. We've got our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And the shield of faith covers all of that. 
keeping that other armor even from being slightly dented by the attacks of Satan because all of those attacks are hitting the shield of faith that will extinguish every one of those flaming arrows. And that's God's provision for our lives, that we would be protected, that he would be able to guard us from any and every attack that comes our way. Not only does the, the, the blunt force of the attack hit the shield, but the shield also extinguishes the flame. When you think about what a flaming arrow is meant to do when it strikes armor, it's meant to, that for that flame to spread, to catch the cloth ablaze, to burn our flesh, to create blisters, to, to draw our attention to the wounds that we have instead of focusing on the Lord. If it hits the shield, it's meant to, to, for that fire to spread and destroy the shield that we're holding. If, it, if it, that arrow is aimed at, at a structure, a protective structure, it's meant to burn that structure away so that it will no longer guard us and protect us. And here's what Paul tells us about the shield of faith. It will extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And every attack that Satan sends our way will be extinguished. The fire will be quenched. The flame will be snuffed out by the power of God and his strength. And we can trust in him to shield us from not only the brunt of the attack, but the damage that would come from the fire The shield of faith insulates us from that damage. Most of us recognize the damage that fire causes. Maybe you've had an encounter with fire that you (laughs) have experienced how difficult it can be. I have a blister on my finger right now. I was using a a power tool, a little uh, oscillating tool, and I used it too long and it got hot. And and it sounded like the implement was loose. And so I, I went to touched the bolt to see if it needed tightened up, and the bolt was hot. And I have a blister in the shape of a C on my finger. I don't know what the C stands for. I'll come up with something, but, but it's there. And I touched it, and immediately I went, ah, I knew. I knew that I was going to get a blister. It was that hot. And I put my hand under cold water, and there's no way around it. Maybe you've had an experience with, with flame or fire or heat, and you know the destruction that it can cause when it gets, it's out of hand. We've been trained from childhood to deal with fire. When I was a kid, we were taught, stop, drop, and roll. If there's a fire on your person, whatever you're doing, stop, drop, and roll. Put the fire out. Get a blanket. Smother the fire. When you go camping, you have a campfire. When, when you're around any kind of a flame, you've got to be prepared for what will happen when that fire gets out of control. You've got to have the equipment with you to put that fire out. And be prepared. And this is what God provides for us our faith in him, our trust in his power and provision and protection, that he's provided this shield that will extinguish all of the fiery arrows of the evil one without question, without error, without even a flaw. Every one of them is put out. And it's important for us to remember that because Fire has a way of, of drawing our attention. You ever been around a, a, a fire that got a little bit out of hand? Nothing else matters but except putting out that fire. If, whether you're shoveling dirt on it to put it out or dumping water over everything to keep it from, from being damaged by the flame. Until the fire is under control, nothing else matters. You imagine what that means for us spiritually when we're attacked by the fiery arrows of Satan. If one of them were to find its way through, 
If fear were to overwhelm you, if doubts were to consume you, if temptation were to take hold of your life and that fiery arrow would strike and the flames begin to spread, you can't continue to put your attention on the Lord. You can't continue to focus on your relationship with him because that fire will draw your attention into putting it out, to dealing with the wounds that it has caused, to recovering from the impact and the damage of that flame, and then you'll turn your attention back to God. That's Satan's desire to take our focus from the Lord as often as he can, as, as, as greatly as he can to distract us with meaningless things, to distract us with, with falsehood and lies and manipulation, to keep us from faithful devotion to the Lord in any way that he can. And, and Paul is reminding us of the equipment of God that if we carry this shield of faith with us everywhere that we go, if we live our lives behind this, this shield of faith, guarded and protected by the Lord, every one of those arrows will hit the shield instead of creating this damage that draws us away from the Lord. It's the promise we have in this description of the equipment that God provides, this armor that shields us spiritually for the battle so that we can continue to stand our ground, that we can extinguish the fire and move on, that we wouldn't have to react frantically working to minimize the damage that's, that, that the fire would cause, but we could continue confidently in our relationship with the Lord because we have put our trust in him, because we know of his incredible power at work in our lives, because he is strong enough, even when we don't feel like we are. His shield of faith insulates us from the damage that would come And God is forever our shield. And our faith drives us to, to trust him to defend us. To know that we can hide behind him. In the shadow of his wings, we can stand and take refuge in his strength, in his mighty power. As long as we trust him. And that means that we can't trust all of the other things in life that we're used to trusting. We can't trust ourselves. To... to Ward off the attacks of Satan. We have to trust God. We can't trust the money that we're building up for retirement. Yes, it, it, it makes us feel secure about the future, but it can't protect us spiritually from, from the, the attacks of Satan. Only God can. We can't trust our spouse, even though we trust them implicitly. There are some things that they were never intended to do in our lives. And God is the only one who can shield us and protect us and guard us from the attacks of the enemy. We can't trust our friends. We can't trust our parents. We can't trust the company that we work for. We have to place our trust in the Lord and depend on him and be strong in his mighty power. And allow him to do the work that he's promised he'll do for us. When we live faithfully devoted to him, when we fix our eyes on him and not allow anything to draw our attention away, but focus on our relationship with him. I want to, I want to conclude with this image of the, the shield, this, this barrier that is our defense, the shield of faith, and recognize the the value that it has in our lives, the safety that we have, not only personally as we carry this faith with us in our lives and we know that God protects us, but, but recognizing the value of standing side by side, shoulder to shoulder with other believers who also have put their faith in Jesus Christ and are living according to that faith each and every day. Uh, the Romans used these shields to great effect when they would plant them in the ground 
side by side and make a shield wall, a nearly impenetrable guard. And every one of those soldiers on the line was encouraged by the fact that there was another soldier standing next to them with a shield and another soldier standing on the other side of them with a shield and that together they could encourage one another to hold the line. Together they could stand the ground that they were called to stand to hold the line and not fall back and not retreat. And we have an incredible encouragement as a family of believers together knowing that we can encourage one another to hold the line, knowing that we are standing together in this battle, this spiritual battle, that we can hold the line, that we can plant our feet, and that God will reassure us. God will provide encouragement to us through those faithful people on either side of us who are facing the same trials that we are, or facing the same attacks that we are. We can stand together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the encouragement that we have from your word. We thank you for the courage that you give to us. We thank you for the confidence that you provide, reminding us of your strength and your mighty power, reminding us of the way that you guard us and protect us, helping us see the, this barrier, this shield that will extinguish every fiery arrow that Satan has to throw our way. Lord, we are so grateful to you. We're so thankful for the way that you work in our lives, and we pray that you would continue to draw us into you, keep our focus fixed, that our lives would be an example in the world around us. God, we thank you, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.